Now this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. And then they said to him, Who are you that we, that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? And he said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not Thank the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. And these things were done in Bethlehem beyond the Jordan, where John was baptized. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, again we thank you for gathering us here. Lord, thank you for the blessing of being able to come together and worship together and study your word together. Lord, um, we ask that you grant what we need here. Lord, we need not only to be able to read your word and have some mental apprehension of it, but Father, we need to really grasp it. We need it to change us. We need Your truth to work Your sanctifying power within us by Your Spirit. So we ask for that now. Bless the preaching we ask. Bless the hearing we ask. May it all bring honor to You. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Be seated. Okay, um, we're picking up as uh, as you see where Zach just read in verse 19, so I just want to do a, a really quick reminder of what we covered last week in the prologue, just some of the highlights here, because we're talking this morning about um, this witness that we know as John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. Um, what is he witnessing about? Well, John has already set this up for us, and I, I probably should mention again, just so that we kind of be alert to this, we're, we're talking about, uh, at the same time, more or less, we're talking about two different Johns here. It's kind of like this uh, restaurant they have up in Bozier now, two Johns, all right? So that's what we got here. Uh, <laughs> two Johns. Uh, one of them is the author of the, of the Gospel, that's the Apostle John, the evangelist, often referred to as the evangelist um, by commentators. So that John is, or was rather, one of the twelve. Um, he, he was the brother of James, the son of Zebedee. He was, he's a fascinating character, as most of them are, but um, he was referred to uh, as sons, a son of thunder, uh, which is... Um, pretty good indicator <laughs> that he was a little bit uh, rambunctious, maybe maybe we could say, just to put it nice, before his encounter with Jesus. And amazingly, the same guy who was one of the sons of thunder, 
along with his brother James, the same guy uh, just becomes basically the apostle of love uh, in the New Testament. I mean, he, he, he puts so much emphasis on, on uh, love and faith and, and uh, the necessity of love, not only here in the Gospel of John, but also in his epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. So that's one John. John the Apostle, the Evangelist, one of the twelve, brother of James, son of Zebedee, the one who Jesus loved, the beloved disciple. And there's another John, and that's the one we're going to be focusing in on this morning, who the first John is writing about, and that is uh, John the Baptizer. Uh, Also a fascinating character. Uh, Dwelled in the wilderness, wore um, skins, you know, for, for his clothing and, and uh, ate locusts and wild honey. Um, so, you, you know, you, this is one of these, John the Baptist, and we don't, of course, have any real answers to this, but he's, he's one, of this, one of these characters that you can't help but try to imagine what he looked like, you know, because <laughs> you get this description in the New Testament, and he's uh, uh, kind of a, an, an, an Elijah type. In fact, he is an Elijah type in, in, uh, in some ways. We'll talk a, bit, a little bit about that. But interesting character himself and, and uh, stood for the truth and, and came to bear witness of Jesus Christ. So we've got two Johns, the Apostle John and John the Baptist. All right? So John the Apostle, in his prologue to the, to the Gospel, and that's, that's the first 18 verses of chapter 1, introduces key concepts. We talked um, about last week. Um, specifically, he, he starts off, as he will do throughout the Gospel, focusing in, right off the bat, verse 1, focusing in on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And introduces us, so to speak, to Jesus as the eternal Lagos, the eternal Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. That's the term logos in the Greek. The Word was with God and the Word was God. So John, the apostle, right up front, says the person I'm going to be talking about here, the person that I'm focusing my attention on is God. And then he tells us in verse 14 that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the incarnation. In other words, the eternal God, God the Son, the eternal Son of God, took upon Himself humanity. And we talked quite a bit about that last week. Um, he always was. He, he, he never had a beginning. Jesus always was. But in His humanity, He had a beginning. There was a time when He became a man. Jesus always existed, but He did not always exist as a man. He existed as God, the eternal Son of God, who was in the beginning, who was in the beginning face to face with God, who was in the beginning Himself God, through whom, verse 3 tells us, all things were created. In fact, John is emphatic. There wasn't anything made that was made apart from the Word, Jesus Christ. So the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld this glory, John says, full of grace and truth. That's verse 14 again. And then in verse 18, he gives us insight into the, the reason why he came, and he's going to be 
of course, expounding on this throughout the gospel. He says he came to explain God. Verse 18. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. The word there is the idea of of explaining. He has narrated God for us. So, as I closed out last week, if you want to know God, if you want to know who God is, if you want to know what God is like, if you want to know what He likes, what He dislikes, how He responds in given situations, look at the person of Jesus Christ. He came to make God known to us. Now, in that same prologue, John also, that is the Apostle John, also introduces us to this other John. Verse 6, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. Now, he's just given that as a characteristic of the eternal word. In him was life. Verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And now he says, John the Baptist came to bear witness about the light. That all might believe through him. That is, through John the Baptist. He's, he's the witness. So he came to bear witness so that through him all might believe. Everybody who, who heard his testimony. And I, and I want you to keep in mind... Um, but, this, this term that's translated um, witness there, I just read in verse 6, can, can be and many times is translated testimony. So in, in that word group, you know, that's the idea. You've got you know, witness or testimony or testify. So in other words, he came to testify about the light so that all through him, through John, through John's testimony, might believe. And of course, as I said, uh, we'll be talking more about that as we go through the Gospel. Believe what? Well, believe that Jesus is the eternal Son of God who became a man, took on humanity, came into the world to die for our sins. We're going to see John identifies Him, John the Baptist identifies Jesus as the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. So he, he came to, to bear witness or to testify so that through his testimony all might believe. So this is the character, John the Baptist, that we're, that we're focusing on this morning. Um, or really, perhaps I should say it this way, because uh, I do want us to keep this in mind. Even though now John, John the Apostle, begins to talk about the ministry of John the Baptist, ultimately, the primary focus remains on Jesus. And so, we, we got to be careful. That's where it's got to stay in our minds, too. <laughs> there are lots of things to talk about. But the purpose behind them is always to point us to Jesus, to give us a better understanding of Jesus so that we have a better understanding of God, so that we know Jesus, so that we know God. John the Baptist and John the Apostle both had this purpose. They want us to know 
Jesus. And Jesus came so that we might know God. He came to make God known to us. Alright, so now, verse 19, he says, And this is the testimony, or the witness. This is the testimony of John, referring to John the Baptist. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? You can kind of picture that in your mind. You, you've got John the Baptist out in the wilderness and he's baptizing and people are coming to him in droves to hear him preach and to be baptized by him. And so naturally, and, and legitimately I might add, the, the Jewish leaders think, well, you know, we better, we better check this guy out. And that in itself, as I, as I said, is legitimate. They have that responsibility. And so they go out. And they find him in the wilderness and say, Who are you? They want to know, Who are you claiming to be? If, if you read any of the history on this time period, um, you know that um, individuals claiming to be Christ, I think my battery must be dying here, um, individuals who were claiming to be Christ kept rising up. We can do without that. Hey, Dave, if you would just turn this one back on a little bit, this pulpit mic, and, and uh, we'll cut the lapel off. So there were those who would come and claim to be deliverers, even some even claimed to be the Christ, the Messiah, the, the long-awaited Jewish anointed Messiah, the anointed one. And uh, that's, that's why they're asking, they want to know, does he claim to be the Christ? And they're going to say that here. Verse 20 we get John's response, John the Baptist's response. So, first we get who he is not. All right? he's, he's, and, he's, and he's open and honest and emphatic about this. The, the language here is emphatic. Verse 20, He confessed and did not deny, but confessed. You notice the, the emphasis there by repeating himself. Positive, negative, positive. He confessed, did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And there's strong emphasis on the word I there. So he's, I not, I am not the Christ. Well, they say in verse 21, okay, okay, he's not the Messiah. He's not claiming to be the Messiah. And the Messiah, uh, by the way, is uh, prophesied throughout the Old Testament, really beginning back in Genesis 3 with kind of a, a bit of a, an, an obscure prophecy, but it, it, it is, uh, you know, is revealed, made known progressively throughout the Old Testament that God is going to send a deliverer, a leader, a prophet, a king, known as the, the anointed, the anointed one. And that's the, the Hebrew word Messiah. The Greek word is Christos. That's the Greek equivalent. It's where we get our word Christ. So that's essentially what they want to know first and foremost. And he knows that. And so he tells them, I'm not the Christ. I'm not the Messiah is what he's saying. And so, verse 21, they ask him, What then? Are you Elijah? That's an interesting question, isn't it? Because they, everybody knows Elijah's been dead for centuries. The prophet of old, or at least 
his time is gone for centuries. He, he didn't actually die, but, but uh, his time was centuries prior to this. Are you Elijah? Why would they ask that? Well, because there are prophecies concerning um, end-time characters who will come on the scene um, in the last days. And let me give you a couple of these, as a matter of fact, as we move through them. Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4. And this is one. Referring to the prophet Elijah. Malachi chapter 4. Now remember, this, this, the book of Malachi, is written approximately 400 years before what we're reading about in the book of John. And the Lord speaks through the prophet Malachi. And in Malachi 4 or 5, he says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord. Before the awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Now, that's a, that's a prophecy um, concerning what, what, we would, uh, what we might term a, a revival. He's saying this, Elijah is going to come right in the last days, right before the awesome, the great and awesome day of the Lord, and there's going to be somewhat of a revival, a, a restoration of Israel. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. So this is, this is what the Jewish leaders have in mind when they question John the Baptist. Are, are you Elijah? They're saying, are you the one that Malachi was talking about who would come and, and probably, for the sake of explanation, a way to say it would be in, in the spirit of Elijah, a prophet like Elijah who comes on the scene, preaches repentance, preaches the truth, exhorts the people to return to the true God. Are you Elijah? Well, John responds to that. He said, I am not. Verse 21. I am not. That's interesting um, because Jesus will later say that He is indeed Elijah. John, that is, John the Baptist, is indeed Elijah. Not, not that he's the same person, again, but that he's come in the spirit of Elijah to do, to fulfill the prophecy we just read in, in Malachi 4 or 5. But John doesn't seem to understand that aspect of his ministry. Uh, in other words, he's not being deceptive here. He, he, uh, he just do, doesn't seem to understand that aspect. And as I said, Jesus will point it out later and say, yes, John is Elijah, who was to come. But here, his answer to the Jewish leaders is, no, I'm not. And so, again, uh, verse 21, the next question, are you the prophet? Well, who do they have in mind here? Turn with me to Deuteronomy 18. Deuteronomy 18 in verse 15. This is the Lord speaking through Moses, uh, to Moses. Verse 15, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. 
the Lord, uh, I'm sorry, the Lord speaking through Moses to the children of Israel. He says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see the great fire anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, that is to Moses, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Now, this is another individual that interpreters came to understand to be an end time, an eschatological personality, someone who's going to come on the scene in the last days. The prophet, the prophet spoken of by Moses in Deuteronomy 18. And so that's what they want to know. Are you the prophet? And incidentally, um, my understanding, and and there are two sides to this, but my understanding is, uh, by the way, that the Messiah and the prophet are one and the same person. And so both are fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the prophet who was spoken of. John the Baptist is Elijah, who Malachi was speaking of. So they say, are you the prophet? This prophet of whom Moses spoke would come on the scene. And he answered again in the negative. No. Well, they give up. (laughs) So verse 22... So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. They've been dispatched by the temple authorities. And they say, We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? So now we get who John is. Who is he not? He's not the Messiah. He's not the prophet. He doesn't apparently, at least at this point, understand himself to be the fulfillment of Elijah who was to come in Malachi 4 or 5. So who is he? Who does he say he is? What do you say about yourself? Give us your own testimony concerning yourself, they say. Verse 23. John says, I'm the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now that's a quote from uh, the 40th chapter of Isaiah. And John is saying, I've come to fulfill this prophecy. I am a voice of one crying out in the wilderness. In fact, let's look at that real quick. It's a short passage. Isaiah 40. Verse 3, it's always good to look at these things and see them for yourself. Isaiah 40, verse 3. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. That's what John is saying. John the Baptist is saying. He's the fulfillment of. This is what he has come to do. Now, Isaiah seems to speak immediately about the return of the captives to the land of Israel. And so, you know, there needs to be preparation 
preparing the path to get back home, but that looks forward to something greater, a return to the Lord. Preparation for the, for the appearance of the Lord Himself and the restoration of God's people. So John says, this is, this is who I am. This is what I've come to do. I'm, I'm a voice of one crying out in the wilderness. And he is, by the way, quite literally in the wilderness. This is where John would conduct his ministry and his baptisms alongside the Jordan River out in the wilderness. And people were going out to him in droves to hear him preach and to be baptized by him. So he says, I'm a voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Now, this is one reason I said a moment ago. The primary focus here remains on Jesus. Because the reason for the Apostle John writing about John the Baptist is because he came to bear witness about Jesus. His whole ministry was to be a forerunner for the Lord. To come and prepare the way, to prepare the people for the arrival of the Messiah, the King. And the reason that John the Baptist came and does what he's doing, and this is in his answer and in the following description that we have here, is to bear witness about Jesus. So he says, I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. That's where the whole focus is. In other words, the Lord is coming and I'm just sent to prepare the way, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, verse 24. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees. That is the delegation who is talking to John. Verse 25, they asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? You see what they're saying is, what, what are your credentials then? By what authority? It's like when they asked Jesus, By what authority do you do these things? We didn't send you out here. And you're not the Messiah. You don't claim to be the Messiah. You're not the prophet. You don't claim to be the prophet. You don't claim to be Elijah. You say you're a voice crying in the wilderness. So why are you doing this? Why are you baptizing? Um, we, we could probably spend a lot of time just on that one question there. Why are you baptizing? I'm not going to this morning, but, but just... For something to think about, a lot of times we, we think that baptism just kind of all of a sudden came on the scene, you know, in, in the New Testament. And, and the reality is they, some of the Jews were already practicing baptism. This was not a foreign concept to them. And they're, not, they're not asking John, what are you doing? Dunking people in the water, you know. They're saying, why are you doing it? Because they understand that baptism has to do with cleansing. It's a, it's ceremonial, a ceremonial uh, form of cleansing. And in, in their context, uh, it, it was not uncommon for it to be used in the case of proselytes. So you had somebody convert to Judaism and they would be baptized. And, and my understanding is uh, in the uh, uh, Qumran community, you've probably all heard of the the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls were believed to uh, be produced by an ascetic community in, in Qumran in the, in the wilderness uh, in Israel. And uh, they 
our understanding is they, they practiced baptism daily. Uh, it wasn't somebody else that did it. You, you did it yourself. You baptized yourself um, as, a, again, a ceremonial type of cleansing. So they're asking John, okay, you're not the Messiah, you're not the Christ, you're not allowed. Well, then why are you baptizing? Now, it's interesting. John, John gives one of these Jesus-like answers. It does answer the question, but it's just not so clear that it does right on the surface. <laughs> and Jesus is known for that as well. John answered in verse 26. I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Now, you, you might be thinking, well, they, they didn't ask him what he uses to baptize. You know, they said, why are you baptizing? He says, well, look, I baptize with water. That's nice, but that's not why we ask, what we ask you, right? It's not what it has nothing to do with the question. But he answers the question. He says, I baptize with water. But among you stands one you do not know. Now what he's doing is getting back to his, his calling, his purpose here, and, and they wanted to know, why are you baptizing? Well, this is it. Because John is saying, I came so that you might know Jesus. There's one who stands among you that you don't even know. And I came to bear witness. I came to identify him. I came to testify about him, and we're going to see that he does exactly that. So baptizing is is part of that. It's part of that um, ministry of the voice of one crying in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord. He is calling people to repentance and pointing them. Even now, even though he hasn't encountered Jesus yet, he's he's pointing them ahead, preparing them for the coming of the Messiah. So he's baptizing them unto repentance and pointing them to Christ. He's testifying, even at this point, about Christ. In fact, that's exactly what he does with the Jewish leaders here, isn't it? He says, there's one among you you don't even know. See, he's starting to testify. There's one among you you don't know, and that's why I'm baptizing. Because I'm going to point him out. I'm, I'm going to identify him. Even now, I'm preparing the way for Him because I want you to know Him. Verse 27. In fact, well, let me start over in the beginning of the sentence. John answered them in verse 26, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Now, that's... That's, that's an indictment also. I mean, he's saying, he's among you. He's among us. And you don't even know him. Well, John doesn't either at this point, but he will. So there's one who stands among you you do not know. Verse 27, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. Now, do you see again how he takes it right to Jesus? John the Baptist does, and John the Apostle does in his narrative here. The focus remains on Jesus. John the Baptist is just a witness. So he says, 
I'm talking about He who comes after me. The strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. So He says He comes after me, yet He's superior to me. I'm not even worthy to untie His shoe, loosen His sandal. Now, Verse 28, John the Apostle says, These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John the Baptist was baptizing. So we know who he's not. John himself, John the Baptist, is not the Messiah. He's not the prophet whom Moses spoke of in Deuteronomy 18 by the inspiration of the Lord. And, he, as we already said, he doesn't even understand himself here to be Elijah, who Malachi spoke of. Who is he? The fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah 40, verse 3. A voice, that's the word phane yesterday. Uh, most of you will know what I'm talking about. Yesterday I was looking at some vinyl records that belonged to my dad. And... Uh, uh, you know where this is where that that term comes from. Phonograph, phon, the Greek word phone is is a is a word for sound, or sometimes it's translated voice. This is one of those cases. A voice of one crying in the wilderness. It's a sound in the wilderness. Phone, sound. Graphe means to write. Put them together, you got phonograph, phonograph, because that's what they used to do. They used to write basically, on vinyl, the sound that was to be produced. It's done a lot different today, but, but <laughs> oddly enough, those things are becoming popular again. But uh, um, the, the sound part has much improved. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's one thing to be nostalgic and look at old records, but, you know, when you want to hear good music, get, get a, a CD or MP3 or something. All right, it's much improved. So that's the term sound, a voice, a voice of one crying in the wilderness as a witness. He's bearing witness to the Lord. Now, here it comes, verse 29. I'm going to read on here through verse 34. We'll just walk through it verse at a time here. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him. That is John, John the Baptist. Saw Jesus coming toward him. Now, remember, as far as we know, this is the first time he's ever laid eyes on him. It's his first cousin, but we don't have any record of them meeting before other than, you know, other than before they were born. <laughs> that sounds odd, doesn't it? But when Mary went to visit Elizabeth, Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist. Mary was pregnant with Jesus. And when they met, John the Baptist leapt, leaped, <laughs> jumped, for joy in his mother's womb. But other, other than that um, meeting, if, you know, I guess you'd call it a meeting. Other than that meeting, as far as we know, they've never met. They've never laid eyes on each other. And he saw Jesus coming to him. And what does he do? Behold! 
He said, look. Now there's probably a crowd because we're, we're told that, they, again, as I mentioned earlier, they were going out in droves to be baptized by John the Baptist. They recognized, the people recognized him as a prophet. And so here he is doing what he's been doing. He's, he's talking repentance and he's baptizing people in the Jordan. And all of a sudden, he sees Jesus coming toward him. <laughs> And he says, look! He's telling the crowd. He's talking to the crowd. He is doing what he's been called to do. He's bearing witness. He's testifying. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, that language is a little bit strange to people in our day. Um, Most of us probably in this room may have been exposed to it growing up. You go to church or Sunday school and vacation Bible school. So maybe... Maybe it's not so unfamiliar to you, but to most people out in the world, Lamb? Lamb of God? What, what in the world is John talking about? But to these Jews, to these Jewish hearers, there's nothing ambiguous about it. They know what a lamb's all about. They, they know what a lamb slain means. It's a sacrifice. It's an atonement. This, this is atonement language. John the Baptist says, look, the Lamb of God. Well, immediately in people's minds, they're going to, you know, they connect a lamb with sacrifice. And then John is saying, this is no regular lamb like the ones we sacrifice on a daily basis or the ones that you take on an annual basis on the Day of Atonement, this is no regular lamb. This is the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, they understand sacrificing animals, a lamb, to take away the sin of an individual. That's what the whole... Sacrificial atonement is about. It's, it's, it's to, to cover your sin, to, to remove your sin. In other words, the lamb, the, the, the poor animal there, pays the penalty that you deserve. You're, in, in a symbolic um, gesture, your, your sin is placed upon the head of the lamb, and then the lamb is slain, bearing your sin. And they understand lambs, and bulls, and so forth, being slain for the sin of the nation. Every, every, every year on the Day of the Atonement, the Day of Atonement, the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies, make a sacrifice for himself, and then make a sacrifice for the nation of Israel as a whole. But this supersedes all of that. This is not thousands upon thousands of lambs slain for thousands upon thousands of individuals. This is not even one sacrifice given for the nation of Israel as a whole. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then John says, John the Baptist says in verse 30, This is He of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. You see, again, he's testifying. This is the one that I was talking about. When you asked me who I was, and I, I, I told you I'm not the Messiah, I'm not 
the prophet. And you said, who are you? I said, I'm a voice in the wilderness. I've come to prepare the way of the Lord. One who comes after me, who is yet greater than I. He was after me, yet he ranks before me. Because he was before me. Verse 30. Now, wait a minute. John is Jesus' elder by six months. They're first cousins. Elizabeth was pregnant with John six months prior to Mary's miraculous conception by the Holy Spirit with Jesus. How does John say he was before me? <laughs> well, we talked quite a bit about that last week, but it's because He's the eternal Son of God. He always was. He was before everything. Nothing, remember last week, nothing that came into being came into being apart from Him. Nothing. Nothing that came into being came into being apart from Him. So that means He was before everything. And so even though there was a point in time where he himself became a man, which again, incidentally, was six months after John the Baptist came into being, nevertheless, even prior to his becoming a human being, he himself already was. That is, he already existed. So John says, he comes after me, quite rightly, he comes after me yet, he was before me. He ranks before me, and He was before me. Now John says in verse 31, I, did not, I myself did not know Him. He uses the same word there that He used about the Jewish leaders when He said, there's one among you, verse 26, there's one among you you do not know. Now He confesses, I myself did not know Him. But for this purpose I came baptizing Remember their question? Why do you baptize? For this purpose I came baptizing with water, that He might be revealed to Israel. So an unveiling. John says, I've come, a voice in the wilderness, crying out, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight the way of the Lord. Because there's one among you that you don't know. And I myself did not know Him. But for this reason I came baptizing. That He might be revealed. That is, that He might be made known. That He might be unveiled, so to speak, is the word here. Revealed to Israel. Verse 32, and John bore witness. That is, he testified. He testified. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself uh, did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descends and remains, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and borne witness or testified I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. 
So John says, look, I didn't even know myself who He was. But the one who told me to baptize, that is God. God said, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is He who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. What is John saying? I, I didn't know myself, but God made Him known to me. He said, the one on whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining, this is the one. And so John saw that and cried out, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was made known to John and John is making Him known to the people. He's bearing witness. What is a witness? It's, it's somebody who sees something, right? And then, and then usually, uh, after they see it, they, they testify about it. They bear witness. They report what they have seen. A friend of mine saw some guy going down the road the other day do something dumb, cause a little accident. And so my friend waited till the police got there and told them what the guy did. <laughs> what the guy did. He bore witness. He testified. He was an eyewitness. That's what John the Baptist is doing. Bearing witness. Testifying concerning Jesus. And that's what John the Apostle is doing. That's the reason he's writing this book. So again, verse 34, and we're almost done here. He says, I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. John the Baptist says, I'm here, I'm here to testify to Israel that this one is the Son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the great prophet. He's the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And John, the Apostle, The one who wrote this narrative is doing the same thing. And so we have kind of a kind of an inclusio here. It's like it's like bookends. Verse thirty four here in chapter one. And then toward the end of the gospel, he says, I've written so that you might believe. I've written these things so that you might believe that He's the Son of God. John 20, verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, that is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. So here's the message, not only of John the Baptist, but the message of the Gospel of John, in a nutshell. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Why did John the Baptist testify? To that truth, because he wanted us 
to believe. He wanted the Jews that he was speaking to and, and whoever, you know, down the line they would tell, to believe. Why did the Apostle John record these things for us? Well, we just saw in chapter 20. Because he wants us to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Why do I stand here this morning saying these things? And why do each of us bear testimony concerning the Lord Jesus Christ? Because we want people to know and to believe that He's the Christ, the Son of God, the One who always was. He never became, He always was. And the one who became a human being. And took upon himself the sins of all of his people. The only Son of God. Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's the Jesus that John is presenting. Is that the Jesus you believe in this morning? The eternal God. The only hope of salvation. The only one who can and does bear sin in our place. Would you stand please? Let's pray. Um, Bob, you mind leading us in a word of prayer? And we'll dismiss.